So it was delaying in it, um, but Marta was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made that kept somehow drawing me into this passage. You see, I am someone that knows a thing or two about being distracted. Um, if there was a quiz question that asked you to name things that you regularly put in the fridge, house keys, boxes of cornflakes would be on my head. I sat down one evening, this is another example, and I went to type a bit of a preach, I won't say which one, and it started great, got one word done, and somehow ended up painting the whole shade inside and out. <laughs> you know, this. So yeah, I am definitely someone who gets distracted. And knowing I have a tendency to get distracted, I began to feel a connection to Marta. However, Marta's distraction in this account was a far more noble one than putting keys and cornflakes in the fridge. She was serving Jesus. As Christians, we know that we too are called to serve Jesus. The Lord God. Um, sorry. As Christians, we know that we too are called to serve Jesus and those around us. The Bible is very clear on that. And in Martha's case, she was quite literally serving Jesus, the Lord God and creator of the universe. And all the disciples that traveled with him. And I wondered why Jesus said no when she asked for help serving. Because it just seemed a bit strange. Are we not called to serve? Is that not what we're called to do? So Jesus, as always, wants us to dig a bit deeper. And we'll start with some of the background to the story. If any of you have watched The Chosen, it's a series, an online series about Jesus' life. Um, you'd be familiar with the emphasis it places on the deep friendship that he had with his family. And while it uses artistic license to fill in the blanks, there's good biblical evidence to suggest Jesus had a special relationship with his family. Our first reference is in Luke, in the passage we're reading, and we're first introduced to Mary, who's the younger sister, Martha, the eldest and head of the house, and Lazarus, her brother, who lived in the same village, it's the same Lazarus who Jesus would later raise from the dead. And in this story that we're doing now, we begin to see the servant heart of Martha and the listening heart of Mary. They next appear in the book of John in the story of Lazarus' resurrection. And from this story alone, we learn quite a bit. We learn the house was in Bethany, two miles from Jerusalem, and that Mary was the same Mary who would pour a pint of perfume on Jesus' feet worth a year's wages. In John's account, Lazarus is referred to by Mary and Martha as the one that Jesus loves. I mean, that just that tells us of a deep friendship when you call someone the one that Jesus loves. Um, also on this account, after Lazarus' death, we see Martha set out to meet Jesus and display incredible faith um, and knowledge of him. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Even now, as my brother lies dead, Jesus, I know God will give you what you ask. How well would you have to know Jesus to say something like that? She goes on to declare Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, who was to come into the world, and again showing the amazing depth of knowledge of who Jesus is. 
Finally, in this story, in John's story, uh, we see Jesus deeply moved in spirit and troubled after witnessing the grief of Mary and Martha. And by the death of Lazarus, outside the tomb, he wept, moved by grief and outrage at what death had done to those he loved. And it, it gives us a picture that Jesus loved his family. They were dear to him. And that's important. That's really important in this one. But to continue our story, to go back to the passage, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way home, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, as the eldest, this was Martha's house. And we see that Martha, um, she extended hospitality to this traveling group of Jesus and his disciples. It doesn't say how many disciples were with Jesus, but we know whatever number it was, it put Martha under severe pressure. As host and owner, she was expected to abide by Jewish custom, which put great emphasis on extending hospitality to visitors. It wasn't as simple as a cup of tea and a biscuit in those days. It was kind of a sacred act of provision and welcome, a practical yet somewhat ritualized way to extend God's love to others. And in this case, it was a lot of people to care for. So Martha faced a challenging task this day. And little did she know that she was about to become part of Jesus' teaching for 2,000 years and would help countless people through the ages. So verse 39 goes on to tell us, She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. This line is essential in helping us understand the passage. Because we know that Jesus said what Mary chose was better. Though the house may have been packed, it's not telling us that they ran out of chairs so that Mary had to sit on the floor. In biblical terms, to sit at someone's feet was to be a disciple, a student. She was listening to Jesus' teaching. In those days, the disciples of a rabbi would have been all male, so here again was Jesus turning the order of the day upside down. He welcomed Mary to sit at his feet. She was assuming the role of a disciple of Jesus. As a result, she would have been spending very intimate, quality time focused on and just listening to Jesus. Um, and just really enjoying his presence. It was a place of relationship, of getting to know Jesus. Now this we're going to come back to at the end because this is a really important take-home message. Um, but now, before that, <laughs> we come to my favourite, Martha. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. Poor Martha. Swamped by the work of looking after all these people. We can picture her running back and forward, trying to prepare food, serve, fill cups, carry pitchers of water, wine, utensils, baking bread, heating food, seeing all the guests to make sure they're comfortable or that they have enough or if they need more. Yeah, her head spinning was a lot. And all the while, her sister Mary is just sitting on the floor with the rabbi. Not a hero of the place, just like me. <laughs> Not a bead of sweat on her brow, just sitting with Jesus. 
What may have seemed even worse to Martha was that Jesus seemed okay with that. To Martha, this apparent oversight by Jesus combined with the pressure of serving everyone was just too much to bear. It wasn't fair. Her words next give the impression that she was a straight talker and most definitely not one to back down. Uh, she doesn't go to Mary. She goes straight to Jesus. She goes to the boss. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? You can hear her. Don't you care, Jesus? Can you, can't you see me struggle as I try to serve you and everyone here on my own? Mary's supposed to help. But she's sitting at your feet. Martha's plea was genuine. And she went straight to Jesus with it. And that's exactly what we should do too. So that's a good lesson in itself. But her focus, her priority, it shifted from serving God to watching Mary. Mary became the problem that needed fixing And she thought Jesus was the one to do it. He could make Mary help. Now this is something that we do often at a subconscious level. We think if we can control our circumstances, even control the people around us, then we can fix things and reduce our stress and worry. And Martha was absolutely right in thinking Jesus could fix this. And in the most loving way possible, he did it just wasn't in the way she was expecting. I think this is beautiful, the way he calls her name twice. Martha. Martha. The Lord answered. I mean, she's distressed and he's just he's bringing her back. You know, he's, he's getting her focus, her attention back on him where it needs to be, and not on her sister Mary. He needs her to hear what he has to say. As I'm absolutely sure, he needs us to hear... You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was doing a really great thing in serving. I mean, she was serving Jesus and all those gathered in her house, and to extend that kind of hospitality, uh, that kindness, that service to others, we can only hope to follow in her example. Yet Jesus said, spending time with him is better. And listening to him is better. Making him our priority, our teacher, our center, it comes before serving. Jesus needs to be our source of guidance and our strength. He needs to be our everything out of which all else flows In Jesus' own words, he declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The simple truth is, when we have Jesus, we have everything. We hear his words, his teaching, and we follow not just as disciples, but as sons and daughters of God. God's people, freed from sin and death, granted the incredible blessing of a relationship with God. And then we begin to understand that Mary chose what was better by far. And Martha too. We helped Martha see a better way. When you think about it, the Lord God was in her house. And she was missing it. 
And we tend to miss that fact too when we get distracted by life. I really hope Martha went and sat right beside Mary on the floor. I hope she just plonked herself down right beside her and just listened. Um, that this truth really sunk in. So what can we say then? Serving is good, but spending time with Jesus is better. Does it mean we should quit our jobs and responsibilities and head to a nice tropical island to just be with Jesus? Well, not quite. As tempting as it sounds, that's not our calling. Uh, Jesus' words in the Bible call us to serve, just like Martha. And our love of God and our love for each other and those around us is lived out through our acts of service. However, it's kind of really, really, really important not to get so distracted that we forget about Jesus when we're serving. He's our center. So our daily lives... Our families, our work, our education will demand all of our attention, all the time. They pull us this way and that until Jesus gets sidelined and we end up missing the blessing of a life centered on him. We miss the point that he's here with us now if only we'd look to him and decide to sit at his feet. It's worth noting that even if Jesus had sent Mary to help Martha that day, if Martha had got exactly what she wanted, it wouldn't have taken away her worry. We don't need to control everything to find peace. Um, that's just a distraction. Our hearts, our lives need Jesus. Now, as we wrap up our story, a few points to remember and hold on to. When we first trusted in Jesus, he forgave all our sins and granted us eternal life. That was the beginning. The invitation from then on is to get to know him more and more. I mean, he has a great plan for us. He has, even in our struggles and our hardship, even in our busyness and our distractions, one of hope and ultimate purpose. The reality is that none of us can focus on Jesus all the time. Not the way we should. Not the way he deserves. And that won't happen this side of heaven. We know that. And we know if left to our own devices, our days will be totally consumed by everything that we have to do and by the worry of the day and by our need to control. This means that our time with Jesus needs to be deliberate. He needs to be first in all we do. In each day, he wants to be with us in all we do. And it doesn't matter how small it is, he wants to be there. For those of us that struggle to have any time at all, um, this may mean making small but important choices that enable us to spend time with Jesus. For example, if the drive home is all the free time that we have, then listening to a Christian teaching may serve us better than listening to the radio. It's about including Jesus in our lives in everything that we do. In everything we do, Jesus comes first. Only then do our lives make sense and feel fulfilled. When Jesus has his rightful place, everything we do has meaning. He's our Lord and God, but also our teacher and friend.
uh, the one we can bring our struggles to, the one who can give us peace in the storms of life. He's the one who gives us hope to carry on and rest when we need it. Not only do we have his words and teachings to listen to in the Bible, we have Jesus with us at all times. He's just waiting for us to draw near to him. So let's not let ourselves get distracted, but instead find joy and purpose and all that we need in spending time with Jesus. So, as a final conclusion, in a world of distractions, choose to spend time with Jesus because spending time with Jesus is better.